Thank you for listening to this episode of Pit Stop, which means this episode is about Formula One specifically. If you enjoy this content and want more F1, let us know on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore and subscribe on your favorite podcast channel. And welcome to a pit stop episode of the Lunch Pail Guys. This is Jared podcasting alongside Lucas. You could have guessed it already as we're the only two that do Formula <laughs> One episodes, but we are very excited to do an episode after quite a long break. I think probably since the summer break. This was maybe the last time that we mm-hmm. did an episode. Yeah, I think so. And of course, we got some big news that happened post-Suzuka. We're recording this after the Japanese Grand Prix. Max Verstappen has officially won the 2022 uh, F1 World Championship. Um, it happened kind of unceremoniously in that it was a penalty by Leclerc that kind of gave him the edge and the gap that he needed. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of weird because the FIA, none of the teams really knew that there was going to be full points awarded for this race. Kind of weird. But mm-hmm. Lucas, what are your thoughts on uh, Max winning the championship? Uh, anything you want? I mean, this had been pretty much a foregone conclusion for a long, long time at this point. I don't think anybody predicted, you know, past race week four or five that anything other than what happened this past weekend was going to happen. But congrats to Max. Um, I think this is, you know, good for him on the sense that he has his first, like, sort of untainted title. I don't know if you want to call last year's tainted in this. Well, okay. First. (laughs) No, well, I don't uh, Yeah, yeah. it is, I think, less controversial than last year, at the very least, this title. Um, And yeah, like, I mean, early season, like, I thought it was going to be really competitive with Ferrari, um, especially after that 1-2 in the first Grand Prix of the season. But it's just sort of fallen apart from there going forward. And I think, again, once we hit race week four or five, everybody could have predicted this was going to happen. The Red Bull car was so good. Max is clearly the favorite of the two drivers in that Red Bull, and probably the better of the two drivers in that Red Bull, um, as much as I love Sergio. Um, and Ferrari's mistakes week in, week, week in and week out just, I think, show that it was only ever going to be a Red Bull driver that won it this season, and if it was going to be a Red Bull driver, it was going to be a Max. So congrats to him, but, you know, I, I'm not shocked. And if, you know, you had told me week three, week four this was going to happen, I would have absolutely believed you. Oh, okay. I don't know about week three, week four for me, but I'd say after, after like France, maybe when the Claire crashed, I was like, yeah, I think this might be kind of wrapped up. Yeah. Um, I I would say, yeah, super well deserved. Both championships, mm-hmm. like he deserved to. He was a deserving winner. He's super, mm-hmm. definitely the most talented driver on the grid right now. I know like that Lewis is also way up there, but we see kind of. If you don't have a car competitive enough, you don't have a chance really to prove that. Yeah. So I got to give that edge to Max this year, obviously. And I feel bad for him that he hasn't... I feel like he hasn't been able to properly celebrate a world title yet. Like, as you said, mm-hmm. we had Abu Dhabi, the safety car fiasco last year mm-hmm. in 2021. And then he found out from a reporter due to a penalty that he was the mm-hmm. world champion instead of getting the iconic like Christian Horner you are the world champion uh, radio message, uh-huh. right? He didn't get that this time e- even. Um, it was nice that he got to celebrate it um, at the Japanese, mm-hmm. the Honda Japanese Grand Prix. We'll get yeah. into that a, little, that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. um, some clarification, by the way, on why full points were awarded. Um, mm-hmm. 
Apparently, because the race was finished under a checkered flag, full points are awarded. Where okay. if the race had been ended or slash red flagged, and it didn't make then, it like twenty five percent, fifty percent, then they would use those those different scoring thresholds. So, gotcha. okay. and that was a that was definitely I think even Christian Horner said that he was like that definitely was not the intention of the rules, but. That's the way mm. it is. We'll take it. <laughs> Work out that way. Max the... got the title regardless. Exactly. You know, so it doesn't You just really go matter. from there. Um, but I feel bad for Max that he didn't get to really celebrate it. There's also the F1 cost cap that just got announced today, kind of yes. hanging over. That might, I, I'm sure in like some Mercedes diehards is definitely going to put an asterisk next to this title as well, as well uh-huh. as last year's already because uh, they overspent last year. And mm-hmm. Total Wolf was saying that this could carry on carry over from this year obviously because they they developed last year's car or this year's mm-hmm. car during 2021 and it could even carry into like 2023 the advantages could exactly. so some people are going to put an asterisk i think still by this championship as well which i'm not gonna, i don't I'm know definitely not going to. i'm not gonna i'm a firm asterisk in the for the 2021 title but for this one i think it's like I don't know what was what was like the official language was like minor cost cap violations or something like that. So it's like yeah. Know. So that's like I guess that's the part that's kind of up to interpretation. Is that or minor a minor cost cap breach is less than is I think less than five percent mm-hmm. going over. So like a hundred five percent spending. So that's like seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. So that I mean, some people say a lot of money. The FIA says that's a minor breach, but to other people, I think Lewis made some comment that like. An extra two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars. If he would have went over the cap, might have won be the championship. But obviously, because last year was super close. So mm-hmm. in that case, I'm still not going to put an asterisk by it. But I can see people saying like, "Well, that did give them a huge advantage potentially." Um, we'll see what the FIA says. They haven't given a punishment yet, but they did mm-hmm. finally confirm that Red Bull did go over the cost cap. So that's interesting. Got to, yeah. And then also there was the the danger, the crane being on track when Pierre Gasly mm-hmm. was on track. That yeah. whole controversy kind of like separate from the cost cap and from the mm-hmm. point full points awarding and all that stuff. So I kind of feel bad that Max has to like his special day kind of got a little distracted with some of that other stuff. I, I feel bad for yeah, it's never smooth for him, regardless of what the outcome is. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm not his biggest fan, but like, I don't know, to celebrate this title, which I think is largely untainted, and not really, I guess, even be able to celebrate it with like multi-layered controversies all surrounding it, and the lack of clarity at the points at the end is just sort of like, I feel a little bad. But he'll get his victory lap on the next few Grand Prix or whatever. And, yeah, you know, exactly. I'll be fine. Yeah, and that's the thing is, it's no fault of Max at all. Like he's he's just yeah. driving the car. He's not, you know, he's not balancing the budget or any of this or like dictating what the safety car does. He's just a super good driver, so super well deserved. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, so that's gonna kind of wrap it up for our our thoughts on Max Verstappen winning the title. We are gonna go to some other news off the track, I guess, in the driver market. Is that Alpine mm-hmm. officially have announced Pierre Gasly as their driver for next season, and shortly after, AlphaTauri also announced Nick uh, Nick DeVries as their driver mm-hmm. for next season. Mm-hmm. Lucas, I want to start with Alpine first. Who do you think will emerge as the number one driver in that Alcon Gasly battle? So my gut um, says it'll be Gasly in the long term, um, but I think it's going to be Ocon in the short term. And I think my opinion we we briefly briefly discussed this earlier. It's just like a very 
not very nuanced cash or trash segment earlier, but I really want to flesh it out here, I guess, why I think um, it'll be um, it'll be sort of Ocon in the short term, Gasly in the long term. And it, it breaks down to a lot of points I mentioned before, that I think so much of success in Formula 1 is just getting used to the car you're in um, in some respects. And I think for drivers that are coming into a new car in a new situation, it takes some time to get adjusted to that. Ocon has been in this car, he's gotten used to it, and he's sort of done it in a way where he's not necessarily in the spotlight as the the driver number one on his team either. He's been able to do it sort of in the background. And I think sort of that building up of confidence in the car to the point where, right, he qualified P5 this past weekend. Like, I think it's showing that he knows what he can do in this car. And so I think that automatically gives him an advantage at the start ahead of Gasly. Um, so I think, you know, Short term, at least, I think next year is Ocon's year, even if I think he's overall a less talented driver than Pierre is. Long term, though, I still think Pierre is the better driver and will ultimately come out on top um, when it comes down to it. Um, again, we talk about comparable cars. Last year was the most sort of comparable cars that they've ever had the, the 2021 uh, season, you know, in terms of constructors, championship. Alpine was P5, um, AlphaTauri was P6. And Gasly beat Ocon that year in the year where they had relatively comparable cars. Yes, they're both race winners, but I think as a whole, we've seen Gasly be more impressive than Ocon. And this year, Gasly's just sort of taken a backseat just because the AlphaTauri car has not been competitive whatsoever. So I think exactly. people have sort of forgotten the extent to which Gasly is a really, really excellent driver just because the car he's in has just been able to do nothing. Especially, it's hard to win a race in a car that's not even designed to be like the best car in some senses you know and mm -hmm. so it's like i think that's more impressive than Ocon's victory um that being said i think that there will be some extra motivation for Ocon, um having never been really the number one on a team uh, i don't think and i think it's going to create some friction where pierre is going to sort of come in there as like sort of like the golden boy the chosen one like you know probably could seen as the best french driver on the french team versus Ocon who is like, I've put in my dues, I've been on this team, I've learned the car. Um, so I think there'll be some tension there early on. And I think it'll ultimately, again, result in Ocon being better next year. Um, but I think Gasly, in the long term, will be the better driver from Alpine. Yeah, I think that's a good take. I think Gasly, even short term, could pull like maybe a little Carlos Sainz going to Ferrari last mm -hmm. year and, and, get, and really like taking control of that team right away. Yeah. Um, Gasly apparently is pretty like technical oriented in that he really mm -hmm. he pours through a lot of data which red bull said kind of hurt him um mm -hmm. when he was at red bull and that he wasn't like as much of a natural instinct driver but mm -hmm. i don't know if i buy that from red bull because nobody is able to drive the same setup as max uh, at at mm -hmm. his level every yeah, pretty exactly. much every driver either needs a like a different car which apparently was what galsy wanted like he wanted different mm -hmm. setups or they need mm -hmm. to try to adapt to what Max's driving style is. And mm -hmm. we saw that kind of happen with Checo. He's kind of wrangled, wrangled it like pretty well towards the end of the year, but mm -hmm. still like way yeah. off Max. In that Sergio at the start of the year, the car was more understeery. So Sergio was doing even better potentially than Max. But then mm -hmm. the true performance of the car is a little bit better if it's more oversteery. And Max is better mm -hmm. at like wrangling that car in because it's a little more unstable. Checo yeah, exactly. isn't. So you kind of mm -hmm. have to adjust driving styles. Now, you don't have the, like the Max, like you said, you don't have the Max Verstappen, like Gasly could come in and be the number one, even though maybe Alcon. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know how Alpine will play it on who they think is their number one. It'll be interesting, but yeah, um, you probably can make a case that like the car should be designed around me and my driving style first. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said too, Lucas, it's a good point that it comes down to not only understanding the car, but also a lot of Formula One comes down to driver improvement coinciding with car improvement. Like you mm-hmm. said, this year, Absolutely. Gasly might have gotten better this year, but we w- we could not have told. No idea. Uh, no we can't idea. tell because the car got way worse. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's what I'm really excited for for Gasly and hoping that those true trajectory. Alpine seems to be on a good trajectory. They seem to be a really good trajectory. Like I think they're like uh, might be competitive for like P3 and the constructors next year based on like the level of improvement they seem to be growing over with over time and time. Yeah, I would hope so. Um, definitely hope so. So. We'll see what happens there. Um, I do think Gasly, to answer the question, will emerge as the number one driver. Um, yeah, not as confident that he will in the short term, but I definitely agree in the long term he will be. Yeah, I think like maybe this is like a one year blip in which like Ocon is seen as like not seen as better than two drivers necessarily, but like has a better season overall next year. Yeah. Um, but I think that in the long term, like I think Gasly just is a more talented driver. It will end up emerging on top. And I feel like so much of, like, I don't know. I still feel like there's like a little, like, taint in, from just, like, his experience at Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Um, that, like, he kind of wants to, like, prove himself now that he has a competitive car again, you know? And so it's, like, I think that'll provide sort of extra motivation for him to be like, okay, now I'm back on, like, maybe not a top, top team, but, like, a team that is competitive in some sense and is, like, an independent team. Mm-hmm. And I think that once he does that... Or the fact that he has that now, I think, will provide some extra motivation um, in the long term um, that'll get him on top. Even if it might, you know, you know, force him to maybe trying like a little bit too hard in the beginning to prove himself. Like I, that's something I could see happening. I think long term yeah. it provides that motivation for him to be a little better. Yeah, and like you said too, by the way, I actually did forget how good Gasly was last year. I was like, yeah, he had a good season, but 110 mm-hmm. points, like ninth in the standings, basically yeah. best of the rest. I mean. The McLarens were ahead of them, but they were just faster. So I mean, basically, best of the rest. Yeah, that's a that's mm-hmm. a great season last year. Yeah. So. So we'll see. I I'm excited to see just like like you alluded to too, like just Alpine generally and how the car competes next year. Yeah, me too. Um, speaking of Gasly and Alcon, some a little bit more. They apparently do not like each other. Have a bit of a <laughs> frosty relationship, though they haven't really gone into details as far as I've read. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we're going to see a legendary feud between these two next year? I hope not. I kind of like both <laughs> of the guys, and I want to see them both succeed. Plus, I don't know if you saw, but Esmond Ocon posted like a very nice Instagram about the two of them together, like a picture of them. When oh, really? Kids. Okay. And it's like, who would have thought two kids from Normandy would be? Oh, here? I did. It was like, it was like the, that, the yeah. extent of what he posted or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a big feud is definitely possible. Um, there's no clear number one on the team going into next year. They already don't seem to like each other. They're both French. Uh, so there's sort of that, like, I think, like, probably internal battle of, like, oh, who's the better French driver on the French team and stuff like that. So yeah, I think, like, the groundworks are all laid for, like, a pretty big feud. Mm-hmm. I just hope it doesn't happen and that the, the two kids from Normandy post actually sets the mood. I actually hope it does happen. I, I want yeah. it to happen. I think we I didn't get to watch the Nico Rosberg Lewis Hamilton rivalry yeah. like I wasn't a fan yet. But mm-hmm. watching the documentaries about it, they looked super it looked super fun to be a fan during that time. Especially oh, if sure, Alpine yeah. is good too, mm-hmm. that'd be even more fun. I think we are I, I think we are almost certain to see Sparks fly because I believe from from what I remember, Ocon is not considered like a 
a friendly like a wingman and like he's not considered like a good uh not a bad teammate necessarily but he's not gonna like do you favors he defends really aggressively against teammates i know he's done this on multiple occasions for example early this season at the way back at the saudi arabian grand prix he defended super aggressively against alonzo on the main straight i remember Mm -hmm. um that was that was pretty interesting so i think we're gonna see them probably bang wheels at some point may i I don't want them to get into like a crash or anything, but like Yeah. Some sparks flying. Some sparks you know? flying. Yeah. Let's support that. Yeah. Uh well there are two seats left now that um Gasly has sort of filled the Alpine seat. There's one at Haas and one at Williams. Who do you think gets the last two? Uh I think it's gonna be probably Nico Hulkenberg and Logan Sargent. Um I don't really know if okay. Williams on Williams, I don't really know if they have any more options to be honest. I mean they could go like Giovanazzi or Mick. Mm-hmm. I like Mick. But I think he's had like two years to improve. Unfortunately, like mm-hmm. the Haas has also gone downhill, so we we don't really know if he's gotten better. But yeah, he had exactly. another crash at Japan, so it's like he might just in a cost cap era. I mean, I remember last year he he was responsible for the most damage last year. So yeah. I don't know if I would want to take that chance with Mick um, Giovinazzi. Like no way, he his name keeps getting floated up there. I don't see any way why you would want Giovinazzi. He hasn't proved anything. Like, he had his shot. He didn't really prove mm-hmm. anything. Exactly. Um, might as well go with, like, an American... Get the American driver on the grid and somebody that's homegrown and probably wants to grow with the team where, like, all those other guys might be loans, kind of. And not they're not loans, technically, but they might be short-term options. Um, exactly. So that's why I think on Williams... Haas, I just feel like, doesn't really have any other options. It seems like Daniel Ricciardo has basically said, like, I'm, I'm probably not going to be on the grid next year. I doubt he yeah. wants to race for Haas anyway. Yeah. And exactly. Nico Hulkenberg, I don't really understand how he keeps getting brought up in these situations when there's so much mm-hmm. young talent on the bench. But Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they always say there's not enough seats to go around, but then they they hire the the old drivers and they deny an 11th team for making it on the grid. It's like, it's mm-hmm. it's a little hypocritical, but... Teams just can't get enough of them, so uh, I, I feel like hot. This is like a kind of a Haas sort of move. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like roughly equivalent to like the you know them bringing back Magnuson for this year. Yeah. Essentially, where it's like they let go of Mazepin, and it's like, oh well, you know, we'll just bring in the guy we had before, like as opposed to going with any new talent. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the same thing. I think it's probably Sargent or Hulkenberg for Williams, um, and I think probably Sargent get that like. Nice American name on the grid, too. I think it'll give me something a little extra to root for, um, in addition to having an American team and an American driver. I wouldn't be, like, stunned if Haas bring Mick back, just because of, like, the name recognition. Um, I could see being Hulkenberg as well. Like you said, it feels like a very Haas move. I think if you had to, like, make me say one way or the other what it's going to be, I think I'd say they may bring back Mick. But, oh. like, on, like, a very very tight leash that if like this year does not go well like he's gone but yeah like you said it's been so hard to even tell what improvement has been made because the Haas has just fallen off in the second not even, you know past the first few races of the season yeah yeah it definitely took so. those days it also it'd be kind of fun if Hulkenberg went there because him and Magnuson also have a beef so I think that'd be kind exactly of <laughs> another little teammate rivalry type thing I'd support it yeah and but the thing so actually i'll I'll use this as a lean-in for daniel ricardo is um i think he should just take a year out of f1 um -hmm. i think jensen button said that a mercedes result reserve role doesn't really make sense because 
Lewis has just said he wants to race for another five years. George Russell's mm-hmm. not going anywhere. Like, there's no seat yeah, there exactly. opening up soon. There's no reason to go to Mercedes, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, look at how much... I feel like it does so much for Hulkenberg that he doesn't race in F1 or any other... I don't think he races in any other series. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. That everybody's like, oh, but what could he do in this car? Because we don't exactly. really know because he's not racing in anything else or not no, racing totally in, like, a reserve agree. driver and stuff like that. And and Danny Ricardo's a multiple-time race winner. Nico Hulkenberg has never even podiumed. So Daniel Ricciardo yeah. is going to be fine, I think. <laughs> I think so, too. I heard somebody say you should take a year off and just, like, call F1 for ESPN, like, or something yeah. like that, where it's, like, if for whatever reason, like, they want an American-centric broadcast, like, he'd probably be the best person to do it. He apparently loves the United States. Oh, yeah. Like, he'd be, like, a good personality for calling and stuff like that. And I think even doing something like that for a year would be a good move for him and then try and get back to into the sport if he wanted to as well. Yeah. I think he'll be on TV next year, for sure. Yeah, me too. Cool. Um, well, we're going to move out of sort of the driver talk um, and move in to a little bit of talk about Honda. Jared alluded to it earlier. So Honda strengthened their relationship with Red Bull this week uh, by announcing a new deal where the Honda logo will return to the Red Bull car as opposed to just the small logo that is there currently. Uh, there are rumors that Honda is interested in developing engines for the 2026 regulations. Jared, just lay out what are your takes on this. Okay, so my take is that Red Bull this whole time have put on a brave face that we want to develop our own engine in-house. They've made a big fuss about we want to be the only team to do everything under one roof beside Ferrari. Mm -hmm. But with them tempting Honda, it seems pretty clear that they... I feel like they never intended for that to happen. They always wanted some sort of partner on their engine partnership. And Toto Wolf, Mm -hmm. he suggested that really early on, that that's probably what they were looking for. Christian Horner got mm-hmm. all offended, like, oh, well, you don't think we can do it by themselves. I don't mm-hmm. know if they think they can do it by themselves. They've hired a lot of really good talent, but they never obviously got rid of their relationship with Honda for the current regulations. It seems like they still want to continue that partnership. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they did want to before Honda left. They still wanted to continue the, that partnership. And Honda mm-hmm. kind of left them in a spot where they just had to make their own engine at some point, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it, it doesn't really make sense for, for Red Bull because they're, they're not a car manufacturer. I don't know if mm-hmm. you really need to go that deep into making engines then for like your dedicated F1 team. Exactly. It doesn't make as much sense as it does for like Mercedes making an engine to discover like new technology to use on their road cars or something. Red Bull doesn't sell mm-hmm. road cars. Unless maybe mm-hmm. they're angling to get into that now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get your whole Red Bull branded car in like five years or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. But I, don't, I don't expect that to happen. Um, and it's a great idea to partner with Honda. They I mean they've had so yeah. much success with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. last year under those regulations, and then this year, um, well, still the same engine, but new aero package. Basically, a lot mm-hmm. of success. And basically, everyone's pointed this out, but it needs to be mentioned that like Honda's exit on their side looks sillier, like sillier by the day, uh, as Red mm-hmm. Bull gets to just enjoy all this success without officially crediting Honda. Exactly. Of course, anyone who watches F1 knows that this is like a Honda. This is basically a Honda engine. But in terms of marketing, like they probably don't get that brand recognition from like a casual observer, I guess. I noticed actually mm-hmm. in a Honda commercial that they used yes. a Max Verstappen like kind of little snippet to like mm-hmm. promote their car. Now they, they can't really, I guess they can't really do that for like their 2022 win, I guess, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know like how important that is. Like I have no idea how brands measure roi that they get from f1 for example or even just like Mm -hmm. a simple commercial but yeah it's hard to tell so 
I think Red Bull definitely want Honda, and I feel like they pretty much never intended to do this engine project by themselves. But what do you think, Lucas? No, I mean, I totally agree. I think it was all just a ploy to sort of like <laughs> lure Honda back in. Like, I mean, knowing Christian Horner and how he operates, I feel like he's such like a showman and stuff like that and thinks yeah. that like in doing things in a certain way, um, you know, he can get what gets what he wants. I think that was like completely what happened here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was going to bring that up too with like, I do, I am curious about like how this hurts Honda branding because it's like, to me, Honda, especially like car wise like does not have like the branding power that like a Mercedes does or a Ferrari does or something like that. And so to the extent that it's like, Oh, like Honda's making an engine that's like powering the winning F1 car back to back years. Like that seems like something they should like be wanting to take advantage of. And I was going to bring it up. I had actually seen the commercial earlier today. of um, Yeah. yeah, Of uh, Honda where they sneak in Max Verstappen and stuff like that. (laughs) So yeah, I don't know. It's like it feels like it would be more beneficial for Honda to have that um, sort of like more explicit tie uh, to Red Bull yeah. than they do now. Yeah, I think like Honda. I'm pretty sure Honda's competitor to Mercedes would be Acura. I don't think. I think that's their most upscale brand that I can think of that they have. Yeah, but yeah, even an Acura like is not on the same level as a Mercedes, well, or, a Mercedes or Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, definitely not Ferrari or a McLaren, right? But uh huh. So yeah, that I think that would definitely help them if that's the way they want to go. Um, another question I'll ask myself because I th- I just kind of made this up. Um, and I don't <laughs> okay. know if you researched it beforehand, but go there's another it. like a uh, question about should Red Bull qualify as a new engine manufacturer? Because mm-hmm. if you're a new engine manufacturer, you get extra money to develop your engine, essentially to catch up with Mercedes, Alpine, and Ferrari, who have already been mm-hmm. developing F1 engines for a little bit. Um, especially if Red Bull like gets Honda to make their engine, should they count as a new engine manufacturer? I still think yes, because you had to have started your engine development really early in order to like get something ready for 2026. That's mm-hmm. the reason why Porsche isn't doing a works team, for example. They didn't have the infrastructure, yeah. and they it's too late, essentially, now to start on an engine. So I feel like at this point, Red Bull has been by themselves for this deep into the process. Yes, mm-hmm. they should count as a new engine manufacturer. And for example, like Audi is coming, is going to be coming in, obviously, as a new engine manufacturer and probably mm-hmm. a new, their own team, though that hasn't been confirmed yet. Um they are like Audi still knows how to make car engines. So they mm-hmm. even have somewhat of a leg up on, on Red Bull who, you know, doesn't really exactly. know how to make an engine. So, um, mm-hmm. I would say, yes, they still should qualify as like the new engine manufacturer and get those bonuses or whatever that is to catch up. Do you, I don't know if you looked into that or not, but what do you think? I, I didn't look too much into it, but I think, I mean, you've convinced me of your point, like having not done much of the research into it before. Like, I think I largely agree based on what you've laid out. Yeah. Well, here's another thing I want to throw out too. I, I want Honda to just buy AlphaTauri and be like yeah. their own team, because Red, like so get rid of that whole sister, that Red Bull sister team mm-hmm. thing. It's super weird. Like it always will just like the the Dutch Grand Prix this year when Yuki Tsunoda went out and like didn't buckle seatbelts and like caused a safety car and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those those like conspiracy theories are always going to come Is up. That, like, did they just uh-huh, did they yeah. did Red Bull send them out there? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be super cool if Honda had their own works team. Uh, and they're and like even if Red Bull were like, all right, cool, we're gonna do, we actually are gonna do our own thing, and Honda yeah. was like a fifth engine manufacturer, that'd be super interesting and probably better for parity. 
Um, I don't know, because I don't know if a customer team is going to be passing Mercedes anytime soon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like no. it just seems. No, I, yeah, I think I, totally I saw a stat I, even. Sorry to interrupt. That I don't think no, a Ferrari good. customer team has ever won a race. I didn't verify this beforehand, but I've seen that stat floating around. I believe that. Yeah, I believe if it too. I mean, it's true, I would believe that. Haas right now, uh-huh. they definitely have not won a race anytime recently. No, yeah, and so yeah, no, I think like. I feel like I harp on this a lot, but just the fact that, like, Alvatore even exists as a team, like, I just don't like that the idea of that, that it's, like, they're just never gonna pass Red Bull. Like, it's just not gonna be allowed to happen, because mm. they're the sister team or whatever. So, yeah, I think if Honda went in and, you know, had a work team bought Alvatore, I'd support that as well. Yeah. The problem with that is that Honda is, like, one of the most wishy-washy brands when it comes to F1. They've left and come back yeah. so many times, apparently. Before I was a fan, obviously, so yeah, that, I, I doubt yeah. it will happen, but that'd be super cool. I would love. Then they would be like pretty in. I think they've had a works team in the past, but I didn't look into that. But yeah, I think they have. Uh, Follow up question too. If you, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Lucas. The Porsche, a Porsche executive said that Formula One still remains mm. an interesting racing series for us. Do you care at this point? Do I care? Like not really but i think it would be fun like I think it's yeah. always fun to have like the luxury brands in like you have mercedes you have ferrari you're gonna have audi like you have alfa romeo i think that like having the luxury brands in formula one is like fun and like adds something to the sport it adds like an appeal for somebody who like doesn't necessarily know much about the sport but it's like oh you know porsche like it's like right. it's like the considered like the premier car brand so it's like that's something to like lure you in a little bit that i think already happens with like ferrari and mercedes and all that so do i super care no but if would it be cool if it happened sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how i feel about that's it that's how basically. i feel about it too um the race uh publication wrote a good article arguing that like f1 is obsessed with getting car manufacturers to enter their sport uh-huh. but they shouldn't be because car engine man or car manufacturers only exist in F1 to promote their brand, and as soon as it doesn't make sense for them, they'll just leave. Where a team like yeah. Williams, they literally mm-hmm. exist to race in F1. That's what they do. Exactly. So like they're they're in it for the long haul, funds funds withstanding. So I yeah, think it'd be interesting. Maybe they should team up with Andretti and force F1's hand. And they're like, all right, if you want us in the in the um, in the league, <laughs> you know, then you have to Basically. let Andretti in. That'd be mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I think so too. I learned recently too. McLaren, like, was an F1 team first and then became a car brand, not the other way. Really? Around. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I think I'm that. right about that. I, that sounds um, right, actually. Yeah. Of. Which is kind of a wild way to develop to just, like, start. Like, it started as, like, Williams, essentially. And mm-hmm. then they're like, wait, we have, like, all this clout as, like, an F1 team. So we're just going to now start making cars, too. Just kind of nuts. That's kind of like the, the Ferrari argument, too, is that the reason that they've been in uh formula one for so long is because like enzo ferrari wanted to build race cars but he needed mm-hmm. to fund it with road cars basically but like his yeah, his yeah. whole thing was like i want to race so i think that's kind of mm-hmm. cool that's kind of funny yeah for sure all right uh we have two more segments left today uh one of them timely the other one not as much but we thought it'd be fun we'll start with the timely one um so lando norris is the only driver outside of the top three to be on the podium this season and only ferrari and red bull have won races this year Springs up a lot of questions about the new technical regulations, which are supposed to make, you know, racing more competitive. But it doesn't really seem 
Like they've worked. So Jared, did this combination of new regulations and the cost cap era even work? Um, they didn't completely work in year one, but I don't think they were expected to work in the first year. Um, like yeah. you said, only two teams have won a race. Lando's the only driver who's podiumed outside the top three teams. Mm-hmm. But on the one hand, Mercedes is no longer dominant. So in that case, like it did flip the competitive order. Yes, it's still the mm-hmm. top three teams that are the only ones really that realistically have a shot at a win. Mm-hmm. But at least there's like one kind of point for the new regulations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if I have a, a further, like a final verdict, but there's a couple of things to consider. Like at the start of the season, it mm-hmm. looked like the regulations worked exactly as intended because last yep. year's two worst teams, Haas and Alfa Romeo, performed extremely well. But mm-hmm. throughout the season developing the car, they have not done well at all. So they, like, they've completely taken a nosedive, actually. So maybe that was intended as well because I know the wind tunnel time and the RFD time resets in the middle of the year. So maybe mm-hmm. that's part of it. But um, I think teams kind of need to figure out how to balance the development of the car with the initial launch of the car. And maybe Haas and Alfa Romeo just didn't get that right at the start of the season. Um, and Esteban Alcon also made a good point before this, before this weekend that the lack of red flags and multiple standing starts um, mm-hmm. and instead opting for a safety car has kind of hurt those like random competitive um, results that happen. Like we haven't really... Well, actually, we have. We've had races where Max starts in the back, and even then, mm-hmm. he still gets it. He just can get right up. You need, like, back, a red yeah. flag kind of late in the race or, like, a safety car kind of late in the race. Um, so, I guess my verdict is it hasn't worked in year one, but it wasn't supposed to. We still need to give it more time. We've seen some evidence where it does work, and we've seen a lot mm-hmm. of evidence where it doesn't work. So, we kind of have to see still. We still have to wait and see. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with your contention that it's successful in the fact that, like, Mercedes is no longer dominant. You know, where it's like, mm. well, yes, Mercedes is no longer dominant, but Red Bulls just assume the Mercedes role. Like, I don't okay. think, yeah, like, great. it's, like, tr- like overall, like, super different in terms of, like, necessarily competitive balance. There's just a different, com- just different competitors in the competitive balance sort of, like, yeah. calculus of things where it's, like, there's one, you know, maybe not last year because, you know, Red Bull and Mercedes were so close last year, but... You know, roll back to 2020 and all the years previous to it, where Mercedes won all the world um, world drivers champions and constructors championships and stuff like that. I'll just use 2020 as the example because it's the first full season I watched. But it's like there was a clear number one team in Mercedes. There was a second team who can maybe do all right. You know, punt in a few race wins. That was Red Bull, um, and then sort of everybody else. Yeah. And so um, this year, it's like there's that clear number one team again in um red bull who's kind of taking the mercedes role ferrari who's that sort of second place team that might be able to get uh some points here or there uh or get a race win here or there i mean um and then it's not as much everybody else mercedes i think it's like a pretty clear cut number three this year they scored Mm -hmm. a lot of podiums both lewis and george have been decent but i don't know if like the competitive balance overall necessarily has been that much changed it's just who the competitors are have changed so that's a good point i don't know that's a pretty good point I think we refer- I referenced this in the earlier segment. I think more engine manufacturers would help parity. Like an engine manufacturer making one engine for one car and being able to design mm-hmm. that car concept concept specifically around that engine and everything. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I just find it hard to believe that McLaren is going to develop a car that beats Mercedes when Mercedes is supplying them engine. And I feel like that's going to cause problems in that relationship anyway. 
I know. Sure. I think Red Bull and Renault were racing at the same time when they were using their engines, but mm-hmm. um, even then, I think Renault entered the sport again after Red Bull won their championships. So I don't know. Um, I think more engine manufacturers would definitely help, and hopefully, like the cost cap and making it cheaper to enter F one will help with that. But mm-hmm. um, I, I still want to wait and see. So that's kind of what my answer, I guess. There, there yeah, are I, some glimmers of hope, I would say, in in terms of how some of the seasons played out. Yeah, I think so too, and I don't know. We'll we'll see how things go going forward, but you know, I'm moderately encouraged, but I don't notice like a huge transformation in terms of what's happening necessarily. Yeah, so I think that's we'll fair. That's very well. Let's go to just some segment that is pretty much mostly subjective almost no objectivity well there might be a little objectivity <laughs> we'll see if what's we'll see what lucas's rationale is here but mm-hmm. we're gonna rank the top 10 formula one liveries of all time these include one-offs as well so kind of anything that's appeared on a formula one car before lucas has the number one overall pick as well lucas what is the best formula one livery of all time then i'm gonna go with the mclaren mp4 Oh. Uh, used in 1988. Oh, okay, um, yeah, I think I it's sort of like, in my mind, like the iconic F1 car. Yeah. Um, it was driven by Prost and Senna um, together when they were on that team. Um, I think it's just really clean. Like, it's like mostly white. It's speaking of Honda in terms of F1, you know, mm. um, manufacturers. Honda was uh, the engine manufacturer there. You got the nice little Honda logo on it. It's got the, like, I think all-time iconic, like, F1 sponsorship um, with the Marlboro <laughs> yeah. and McLaren. And we don't support smoking, but it is, like, just, I feel like, again, like, a term of, like, iconic. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Like, liveries um, and sponsorship deals, like the Marlboro McLaren in that time in the late 80s um, sort of fits. Um, and, yeah, I think it's just clean. It's mostly white. It's got the sort of red um, sort of accents, I guess, that come with Marlboro. And I have a t-shirt that looks that's based off this livery too. So I think that I just really love the design of it, the classicness of it, and the fact that it feels like just an iconic F1 car. Yeah, I don't have any complaints. I think a lot of people would probably put that up as number one. Yeah. However, that was not my number one. Uh, my favorite livery ever actually was from last year. The Red Bull white livery that they wore for uh, Turkey last year. Yeah, That one I just felt like was amazing. It um mm-hmm. it looks super cool with the the japanese writing on the back of the on the back of the rear wing looks really cool uh-huh. i think the honda in general just like on the red bull looks really good on the rear wing yeah the oracle uh-huh. does too but i'm a little more partial to the honda and just i don't know just white white red and yellow together they it just looks really good and a lot of black too with the the underside of the car and the tires it looks really good with with hard the white rimmed hard tires too i think um mm-hmm. it's just really sick i don't know there's an i don't really have much objectiveness <laughs> to say about it It just looks cool <laughs> yeah no i mean that's what i feel like my opinion is on most of these like they just look really really cool and i'll yeah. support that yeah. um i'm gonna for my next one uh for the third overall pick i'm also gonna go with a red bull one Ooh. um i just think red bull cars look nice generally I, I agree. i'm gonna go i'm even though i'm like not a red bull fan i think that consistently they put out some of the best cars year in year out and I'm going to go with the Red Bull RB15, uh, which was 2019's car. Okay. Um, I think the sort of, like, matte on... Uh, is that, like, the, the word, like, the matte? Like, the like the sort of, like, flat, yeah, like, matte. sort of, like, bl- dark bl- matte blue that Red Bull always uses is really nice. 
Um, and I think it was done really well um, in 2019. I mean, the, the card doesn't vary a ton year to year, but it's that nice matte blue. It's when they still were partners with Aston Martin, so you have the Aston Martin on the back wing, which I think looks really cool, like having that sort of like wing out there. Mm-hmm. It's got red flames on it, which, you know, a cool little touch. And so I think like, for me, it's like a toss up between any real Red Bull car. Yeah. Um, but I think 2019 is the best just because I think the matte blue just looks a little bit better than the other years. I like the flames. Or not necessarily the flames, but the sort of like red-ish swirly design uh, that's on the front. And uh, the Aston Martin on the wing, I think, just adds a little, nice little level of classiness to it. So I'll go with the Red Bull RB15. I agree. They were my third pick. Uh, not that specific year, but like just I pick like last year's Red Bull. But just their like regular yeah. livery, I think, looks really good. Yeah, I agree. I have the fourth overall pick, and with the mm-hmm. fourth overall pick of top ten liveries, I think I am. I'm very biased towards stuff that is recent. I think Ferrari's livery this year is awesome. Oh. I really like their livery this year. The red and the black combo, I feel like is they just nailed it. They don't have the green like mission window stuff anymore on it anymore, which mm-hmm. looks really weird. And the curvature of the cars, too, like with the little bathtub design on their side pods, kind of helps out the livery a little bit, too, I think. I think it looks a little cooler than a bit of the boxier look of the cars in the previous generation. Again, not too much scientific about this. I just think that Ferrari's livery this year is really cool. Really good red is kind of like what's, what does it for me. The red is awesome. Yeah, no, it's a really good red this year. I really love it. Um, with the fifth pick, I'm going to go... I'm going to go back in time. I This one wasn't maybe as high on my big board, but I feel like we need to... We, we picked all, all recent ones, essentially, okay. except for the first one, so I want to mix it up. I'm going to go with the Lotus 98T yeah, from 1986. That's a great I think one. is a really, really awesome one. Um, for those of you who don't know, because you weren't F1 fans in 1986 like we were, because we were both, I guess, negative 11 years old at that point. <laughs> but it's just like a super... I, I feel like I like cars that are clean and not too busy, like the Lotus 98T, mm-hmm. almost all black, and then all the writing, all the sponsorships, the numbers, everything is just like a gold. Yeah. And I think that combination of black and gold is always just like really nice and just looks really, really good. Um, another Senna car, uh, which was yeah. unintentional, um, but I'm a big Senna fan. The documentary Senna is fantastic. Watch it if you haven't, if you're an F1 fan. Um, and it yeah, is. Lotus 98T, I think is just like a really, really nice car. Agree. Great pick. That's a great pick. Okay, I'm going to switch up my big board, too, because of the recency bias on this right now. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm going to go with the, the 1992 Williams FW14B. Uh-huh. It's the blue and yellow car with Canon as their rear wing yes. sponsor. Yes. I, I really like this look. Um, uh-huh. The blue, like blue and yellow together um, is a really good combination, and then the red of the Canon, mm-hmm. I think, just looks really iconic, and I feel like cars that kind of capture like a moment in time, even though I was not alive in 1992 and definitely not watching Formula mm-hmm. One, it just mm-hmm. kind of feels like, yeah, this car kind of captured like a moment in time and yeah, it just looks really good. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That was one of the ones on my list too. Like Williams has a few good ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah this one was on my big board for, it was ninth on my big board. Gotcha. Um, so just sneaking in there. Um, I was thinking of picking another Williams, the Williams FW25, and maybe I'll save that for later. Okay. But I think I'm going to go with the McLaren MP423. 
Um, the one the one previously being the MP44. Uh, that is the 2008 car. Um, and no. I, th- I knew that yeah. was going to be on here. Or I thought that might get on here, but I, I'm not a fan of that era. I like it. I think the silver is just really like sleek and clean. I think silver looks good as a racing color a lot. I think the orange accents are nice. It's the McLaren color. It works nicely. I don't know. There's just something about it that like I think... I don't know. And you associate it too with like Lewis's first driver's championship, like mm-hmm. just sort of the iconic nature of that. And I think it it's nice in my mind for that. Cause again, I was 11. I wasn't really watching F1 at that point, but I like <laughs> Lewis a lot and I've watched, you know, highlights a lot from that season and the final race mm-hmm. and everything. And I think it just sticks out nicely in my mind. Um, not top of my list, but I think it's a really good all time car. Oh my gosh, man. I have so many that I want to get on this list. Then I have to decide. I only have two more uh-huh. picks left. I have to put this one on the list, though. The eighth okay. pick of the top 10 Formula 1 liveries of all time is the Black Panther, the 2020 Mercedes. The yeah, Merce- it just that. looks better uh-huh. in black. I'm sorry. It just looks better yep. in black. 2020 and 2021 Mercedes, but I'll give the 2020 mm-hmm. Mercedes because that was the first time they used it. It just it looks fast. It was super fast. Maybe the best Formula 1 car made of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, just that, that black Mercedes with red-walled soft tires was just the look. It just looks so good. Mm-hmm. A little touch of blue in there too. They're light blue. Mm-hmm. Um I hope they I want them to go back to that. They, I don't like the gray personally of the Mercedes, but that's just me. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um and that was on my list as well. And I think it's better than the 2021 car cuz they had a little bit too much silver in the 2021 car for my liking. Okay. Um if I remember correctly, I think like just like the pure blackness of the 2020 car just looks so good. And yeah, maybe the really best good. F1 car of all time. All right, I'm going to go... My last pick is the one that I think is just kind of like very of the time, and I'm going to pick that because I think it just really sticks out as like a car of the moment. Oh, my gosh. It feels very mid-2000s. Oh, dang. Uh, okay, which one is it? Is it the Renault R26? No. From... Okay. Good, good, good. Um, so it was used in 2006. It's like a nice little baby blue mm. um, for uh, the most part, but there's like sort of a sliver of yellow that cuts through the middle. Um, I think that like yellow in my mind is associated with Renault, um, at least for when they were back in the sport before they became Alpine. But I think the baby blue is a really nice color. That's not like really used much in F1 cars. Um, I think that sort of baby blue and yellow together looks nice, but the sponsorships just look like so much like something that happened in 2006. Like <laughs> the, I, I can't explain it other than that, but like, it just looks like things that happened in my childhood. Like it's kind of like mm. a little garish and big bubbly letters yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and so I think for that reason, like you mentioned this before, I like cars that like feel like their time. And like, even though like maybe if this car debuted on the grid this year, I wouldn't love it as much. I just think it like really nicely fits um, what it is. So yeah, I'm going to go Renault R26 which is 2006. All right. Your last up. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the 10th pick, I think this is one that you're going to have to look up. The 1993 uh, Ligier Art Car Livery. They only ran this for two races in 1993 by our guy Martin Brundle for the Japanese and Australian Grand Prix. But it's kind of uh-huh. got like a little like striped look on it with some blue. Oh, I see it. Yeah, and yeah. I actually really like I just, I like like the way it went. They took some risks. It's kind of got like a tiger kind of stripe on it going. Mm-hmm. Um in the blue, it's like only a couple colors too. So that makes it yeah. look pretty good. Um 
And I think it just gets points for uniqueness as well. So I'm going to put that one as the... It was also 10th on my big board, so... Ligier yeah, su- hard car livery from 1993. I support that. I'm just looking it up right now, and it, it's pretty cool looking, actually. And like, yeah, it's just like cool. Never really seen an F1 car look. So, shout out Martin Brundle. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, um, so with that... Oh, yeah. Any last minute thoughts uh, before we... I was going to say, you have some. Into... Do you have some honorable mentions? Um, I'm trying to find ones that were on here that didn't get picked. Um, I had a couple. I had a couple. I had the Ferrari, 2002 Ferrari I had okay. on there. Um, I had the Jordan EJ11 from 2001, which had a shark on the front. Uh, <laughs> I didn't necessarily, like, think it was, like, maybe the best, but I thought it was kind of just, like, like a wild choice uh, yeah. to, to put on there. Um, and then the only other one that I had on my big board that didn't make it was the Williams FW25, which was used from like 2001 to 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's just like, it's like a darker blue than I feel like is normally associated with Williams, kind of like what they did uh, this year. Um, but I like it a lot. Oh, interesting. HP is their sponsor. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which I feel like is an, an odd sponsor. But Yeah, it is a little bit. You want to see Apple on an F1 car. Mm-hmm. Um, What else we got? Alfa Romeo's livery. I didn't want to put this on because it was getting too much recency bias, but Alfa mm-hmm. Romeo's livery from this year at the Azerbaijan Baku mm-hmm. Grand Prix, they had a green, their engine cover was green, so it was like the Italian flag. That one looked really sick. Um, white, So green on the engine cover, white in the middle, red on the front. Their rims also are pretty cool this year too, where they kind of have like the two colors on them. Um, Another one I had on here, the 1991 Jordan car. Seven, the seven up car, I think, is kind of what's deemed. Oh, hold on, let me look that up. I didn't catch that one. Besides Ferrari, this was the car I remembered from the Schumacher documentary. It's it's like green, it's yes, really it's, memorable. It's, it's like a, it's, uh-huh. it captures a moment in time, kind of. Mm-hmm. It's very 90s. It's um, very 90s. It gave yeah. Schumacher's F1 debut. I think that's a cool one. Mm-hmm. The I last one I wanted too. to mention, too, was 1986 McLaren at the Portuguese mm-hmm. Grand Prix. It was that classic McLaren look, but they did white and yellow instead of white and red. And I actually think it looks really good. Oh, I think it looks pretty good, too. I like that. Clean. I think McLaren cards from that era always just look really clean, which I like. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, now that we've ranked deliveries, we're going to jump into our recurring segment, Jared's Carlos Corner. Take us away. Yeah, this one's going to be really short because Carlos had a very short race. Um, Super exciting qualifying performance, less than a tenth off of pole, which he's been getting really good at qualifying, and he's going against Mm -hmm. a really good qualifier in Leclerc. So that's really awesome to see, but obviously, unfortunately, got kind of caught out in the weather. And it's it's on to the next season, obviously, for Carlos. He got eliminated officially in Singapore um, from the championship, Mm -hmm. but I hope he builds off this momentum and... Hopefully the lack of like really huge regulation changes next year will give Carlos some continuity to build off this season because I do feel like he has gotten better as the season's gone on, especially in qualifying. Racecraft, he's not quite there yet. He knows how to stay out of, generally he knows how to stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm saying this after a race where he crashed out, but <laughs> um, he knows how to stay out of trouble, especially when he does finish a race. He tends to finish on the podium quite often. But um, he is pretty far behind Leclerc in that, on race pace, I would say, from what I've seen. So um, that's really all I have for Carlos. Just at this point, try to get comfortable with the car and build off some momentum, get a pole, maybe get another win. That'd be awesome. 
yeah totally agree and hey fans of the pod fans of carlos it'll be back next season um we're still carlos people generally and so hopefully next year keeps continuing to improve but we'll see and what about finishing it off with our last flying lap lucas what are some do you have any uh stray thoughts that you want to get out there latifi points yeah that is my that is my one stray thought the rain he he got points he's good in the rain um finished p9 um in japan this past weekend you know an interesting send-off to an interesting f1 career is how i would determine it Uh, i didn't think he'd get points this season but hey he did good for him two points um and then other than that i'm just i'm excited for next year in a close title fight hopefully yeah we'll see Hopefully Mercedes is back. That's kind of what I think a lot of us want. Um, yeah, I think so. Too. My flying lap. We need a Checo win. What I'm watching for for the rest of this year is a Checo win at the Mexican Grand Prix. That's next mm-hmm. on my wish list. I think that'd be super fun. Second would be another win for Carlos. I, de- uh, I definitely want him to get another win and just to, like I said, build off that momentum. Mm-hmm. Third on my wish list is a win for either Lewis or Lando. Lewis, just because mm-hmm. he's won in every season, I feel like it'd be kind of cool to to keep that streak for him. And he, just with all the adversity and like the bad car that he's had this year, essentially, mm-hmm. that'd be cool if he got that. And then Lando Norris, I feel like probably deserves a win, but he just has never gotten a car that is really capable of doing that. I know Daniel Ricciardo won last year, but that was like a a kind of a luck win in a way, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. Um. Here's something. I, this last thing I wanted your opinion on, Lucas. There's a lot of talk. I feel like in F1 circles that George Russell has been really annoying this year, <laughs> and that he complains <laughs> a lot on the radio. Do you do you get that impression from him or no? No, but I also like Mercedes. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe I'm putting on rose-colored glasses to see yeah. that. I, I don't really get that impression annoying. either. But I see why people yeah. are saying that. But it doesn't bother me or anything. No, it doesn't bother me too much either. Yeah. So who knows? All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up this episode of Pit Stop. Um, you know, make sure you are subscribing to the podcast on SoundCloud, on Spotify, um, and on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you are liking and following our Instagram page um, at lunchpailguys underscore. We also have Twitter under the same username and TikTok under the same username. Uh, we're we're going to continue to do these Pit Stop episodes whenever anything comes up. And we'll always have our main show that you can listen to as well. Uh, So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.